Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. I have an incurable esophageal disease. That's called achalasia. My esophagus doesn't work. It's dead. It'll never work. I'm on a pathway where in about five to ten years, I'm going to have my esophagus removed. I'll be in a feeding tube the rest of my life. I'm very susceptible to esophageal cancer. I mean, there's all these you know, things. And for years, I was being treated at the Mayo Clinic, and I stuck my head in the sand, and I didn't want to deal with it. And I blamed everybody, and I was a mess. It literally dripped into every part of my life. And I became probably more narcissistic than anything. Everything was based on my needs, and I felt pity. And think about being married to that. Think about being a daughter, which I have, to that. It was awful. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. Journey. Hey guys, this is going to be an awesome episode. I'm bringing in Philip Stutz and... Man, if you don't know his background, the guy has been in political marketing for years, but he's got one hell of a story, very successful, and he is gonna. we're going to talk through some marketing strategies you can use for your business, but more importantly, we're going to talk about his journey of being diagnosed with an uncurable throat disease that he's working on finding a cure. This is an awesome, awesome episode, and stay tuned all the way in because he's got a very cool offer for you that I think you're really going to enjoy. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, this is going to be a fun episode. I'm bringing on a new buddy of mine, and I'm really excited about this one. This guy's got a cool message, cool story, and I love what he's doing with businesses. So I'm Donnie Bovine. This is Donnie Success Champions, and this is Philip Stutz. Philip, welcome to the show. Tell us who the heck you are, man. Please share your story. Man, I'm so honored to be here. First of all, I love your mission. You're helping other people. You're bringing value to them. And everything I ever preach about marketing is about building personal relationships. And that's what you do through your show. People have invested their time, their energy, and they bought into you because they know you care and love that mission, man. So my background, yeah, man. So my background is I'm a political marketer. I have worked on political campaigns for over 20 years from four winning presidential campaigns, excuse me, three presidential winning campaigns, over a thousand election victories. And I decided a few years ago that I was going to see if that would work for businesses, how we market for politicians to win voters if we could translate that into the business world. And thus, that's why um, I wrote the book. I interviewed over 100 CEOs for the book. 
all of them came back to me saying, you know, I hate the marketing environment now. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. My marketing people are making money before I make money. And in politics and the way we run marketing campaigns, it just doesn't work that way. And I found there was this outlier strategy to help businesses. Then I had to get businesses to actually take the chance to use political strategies in their business. And that was a, it took a convincing, uh, a friend, actually a friend of mine came to me and, and said, I want to do this. And we did this big marketing campaign where he had spent $50,000 with a marketing agency and got one lead out of it. And then he came in and he gave us 7,500 bucks and we ran basically a political marketing campaign for his business and we got 750 good leads, not bad leads, good leads for him, which converted a ton of business and made him a lot of money. And I went, ooh, that's we got something here. And so that's what really launched. We have two marketing agencies now, Donnie, because in the weird, crazy political environment we live in anymore, businesses were like scared to work with a company that said they did politics. So we just separated the two. So we have a political marketing agency that we've built to over $22 million in less than four years without any debt or any outside investment. And now we've just launched the, the business marketing arm of our company. And I will be honest with you, and I'm happy to go deep on this, but uh, all of this happened because I have failed about a thousand different times. <laughs> and I learned a lot of different lessons, and I can bring value and tell some of those today. I'm I'm happy to do it. Yeah, dude. So so first and foremost, you've either excited half of my audience or pissed off half of the audience. You know, being the political marketing guy, I don't care who you ever work for, and I'm, we're not going to talk about it on here. But smart man, <laughs> mama didn't raise no fool. Uh, <laughs> You know, how in the world did you get into marketing for politicians? Some might argue that that's got to be the most shady type world to work in. But I know when you were three years old, there's no way in heck you raised your hand and said, you know, I want to market for politicians when I grow up. Yeah, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and I really – in high school and in college, I really only care about two things, college sports, college football, because I went to the University of Alabama, and politics. I was just fascinated. I think it's the competition of everything, that I just like competition, right? And I'm fascinated by it. I'm really fascinated by the psychology of it. And so I'm five nine, hundred and fifty pounds. I'm not going to be playing any college sports. <laughs> You're the water boy. Got it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Probably worse than that. But you know, I'm the, the guy in the stands telling the coach what he should have been doing. Um, right. Anyway, but but anyway, so I decided, you know, I wanted to try this and do an internship and in working on uh, on a political campaign. And so this was in 1996, and I moved out to San Diego and I worked for one of the political conventions. And I just fell in love with it. I just thought, man, here's the misnomer. Everybody thinks that politics is all shady and all that. But, I mean, the people that get into politics, not the politicians, the people behind the scenes, they do it because they believe it's public service. They do it believe they believe they're fighting for things they believe in, issues they believe in, people they believe in that are going to change the country for the better. And that's a purposeful mission. And that is where I, you know, fell in line and I loved it and, and I was a vagabond for years. So I lived in New Mexico. I lived in San Diego. I lived in South Dakota. I lived in Louisiana in 17 years of living in Washington, D.C. I lived in all those places working on political campaigns. I, w- I always say this working on a political campaign as a staffer is like smoke and crack. Now hear me <laughs> out. Okay. Because 
you know it's not good for you. Like there, there are like three years in where I worked on political campaigns, Donnie, where I think I had something like 21 days off in three years total. Because you work in 24-7, you're always for the candidate. Everything, you know, mis- everything is about sort of the mission. It's not about making money. It's about trying to help and, and improve what you believe, you know, the society should be. And it's very purpose-driven. But it also is very unhealthy in a way because you go so hard. And all you – it's kind of like smoke and crack. Like, you know you got to get off of it, right? And then the campaign ends, election day comes, and you think to yourself, thank God I am never going to work on one of these things again. And you sleep for about a week, and then you wake up, and you go, all right, I got to I gotta get another hit. Yeah, I need my fix. <laughs> I need my fix. And then you find yourself jumping back on once. I was running campaigns in Louisiana and South Dakota, you know, and I was helping on presidential campaigns in New Mexico and Washington, D.C. And I just kept going back and back and back. And then finally, I started my own sort of consultant company so I could have more of a life. That was uh, 13 years ago. Now, that's awesome. And, you know, what I love about that is – you actually went through the grind of doing all the work and realized that your time is better spent playing what I call puppet master, which is, you know, just the guy up top pulling the, the strings and making sure everything moves forward and you put the right people in the right place to do what they're best at. Smart move, bud. At the heart, I'm a strategist. I love strategy, which is ultimately the problem with marketing firms on the business side today. So many marketing agencies are going to business owners and they're going, hey, let's run some Facebook ads and we got to do your SEO. And like, that's all they lead with. Those are all tactics. Right. And I think what got me mad and why I wrote, wrote the book was because I was like, hold on. Every business needs to have a marketing strategy, and then there needs to be tactics that feed into that strategy. And then once we started doing this for businesses, we literally were having explosive growth for for the businesses that we worked with. And we just started utilizing the same steps we would do in a political campaign. And I can walk through examples of what that looks like, but it was very fascinating to see that. And that's the frustration I saw in the marketplace because ultimately I love the strategy. I love to understand how we connect. You know, think about this. In politics, all we think about is how we connect with the voters, right? The politician has to make a connection. You know, we, we, we have to, the politician's out walking, you know, knocking on doors. He's walking in parades. He's doing town hall meetings. He's having face to face meetings in person and building connections. Those connections then become a referral system where they then tell their friends, their family, right? Our ads have to be creative enough to make a connection. People say they hate political ads. I get that. But they work because they make a connection. They may not be, and I talk about this sometimes, we don't make ads of people dancing in rainfalls, drinking Mountain Dew cans or whatever like that. (laughs) We run ads that literally pierce people's hearts, right? And they can be negative or they can be positive. But whatever it is, our number one priority is how do we make that connection? And before we understand that, we need to understand the voter. So my entire intent is always what does the voter care about? What do they think? And and let's align how the politician believes that, you know, and what they believe and find alignment and then run marketing campaigns that fit that alignment. Businesses should be doing the same thing with their customers. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is it's very interesting that that the correlation should jump over to the business world, because when, you, when you're talking about your business and marketing and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I think people sit in like one of three camps. 
Camp number one is marketing just doesn't work. I'm not going to do it. Camp number two is you can't survive without marketing. You've got to be doing everything as marketing. And camp number three is, you know, I know I should be doing something. I just don't know what the hell that something is I should be doing. And it's interesting because if you listen to a lot of gurus, and I'm just playing through some videos and things that I've seen recently, you know, they're they're harping, like you said, the tactical side of things. So you should do Facebook ads or you should, you know, Instagram's a thing to go. You know, you should be on LinkedIn doing all this stuff. And the problem with all that kind of message is as a business owner, you get wrapped up in, okay, I should be focusing on this. I need this. So let me hire somebody who specializes in just Facebook ads. Let me hire somebody who specializes in Instagram. Let me hire somebody who specializes in LinkedIn. And at no point do most business owners sit back and go, hold on. What am I trying to accomplish with all this? Or they do, it's like, oh, I'm just trying to get more business in, more leads in, more, more, more whatever in. They're not taking the time to, to get beyond the tactics and look at over the overall strategy. That's a really cool way to look at it, bud. Man, you're so right, though. 100%. So let me say this. 99% of marketing people out there are doing this wrong. I'm, I'm dead serious. 99%. And the reason I say this is I interviewed over 100 CEOs when I read the book from fortune 500 CEOs to literally, you know, $500,000 company CEOs and all of them told me the same thing. It was like, let me give you an example. Hey, look, we can give you 30 leads for $5,000, except they paid the 5,000, the business owner, and they get 30 crappy leads. But right. That's not a strategy. That's all tactical. And then the way we do it in, when you think of, let me ask you this, like, how, if you're a business owner, how many big strategic marketing campaigns do you want to run in the next five years? That's the question they need to ask in their head. I'll give you an example, and I'll give the big ones, that, but because they're they're easily understood. Chick-fil-A has run one marketing strategy for 25 years, eat more chicken with the cow, right? Right. 25 years, they haven't had to change their marketing strategy. Eat more chicken. Got it. That's the strategy. Aflac Duck, 19 years they've run one marketing strategy with the Aflac Duck. How many, if you're a business owner, do you need, have you run or how many do you want to run in the next five years? My thing is get it right the first time and eliminate as much risk off your plate as humanly possible. And, you know, in politics, the way we do this, think about this from the voter standpoint. We go out in politics with a politician and before we run any marketing, we go out and do a poll. Now, you may know polling like who's winning the race. We don't look at that. We look at it. We call it a benchmark survey. And a benchmark survey means you go out and you find out everything the voters care about. And then you say to the politician, well, you know, what do you care about? And then we align those things together of where the voter and the politician meet with the same wants and needs and desires. And then after we've done the research and we figure out what everybody, you know, where the, there is alignment, then we start running small testing campaigns on the messages, on those messages. It could be two or it could be three, and it won't be many, right? And we test and we test and we test. We test all the messages in a million different ways, and then we find what works. And then once we find what works, then we shove all of our marketing dollars into that. That is eliminating risk on the, the politician, and it is why we've won. You know, listen, we, in the last two years, my company, we won 196 political races from our marketing, 196 in two elections. The reason we did this is we have an incredible formula the way it works because it puts the voter first. 
And then when we applied that same formula to businesses, again, taking the risk off the business owner's plate and putting a strategy in place where there's alignment, that's where we've had explosive growth for them. Now, I mean, here's a couple of things that run through my head. I love this because my belief on marketing is marketing is about research. And totally. Until you figure out how to actually make it work, right? Right. Uh, the flip side of that is the small business owner doesn't have the capital, doesn't have the revenue to actively be able to, you know, spend that kind of money to do that much research. So there has to be something in play for the small business owner to test on a, such a micro scale. And then the problem is, is your, your sample size is so small that you're not sure if you've got valid data you know, to be able to make a good guess. So how the hell does this work for small business? So I saw this challenge as well. And originally when we were working with, you know, 100, 200 million dollar companies, and we have three Fortune uh, 200 companies that we worked with, where it was in the high five, low six figures for the research. And then we went to our partners. We have a partnership, one of the only marketing firms in the country with one of the largest data analytics collection agencies that literally, Donnie, I probably could figure out everything you've ever done in your life. Because, you know, think about this on. Well, you know, know, funny one on that, Phil, really quick. That's the only reason I would ever run for president because my 20s, there's a little fuzzy. I don't remember a whole lot of things. I just (laughs) want to know what happened in those years. (laughs) Oh, dear, Donnie. (laughs) Anyway, and so, you know, we tried to figure out, we went to them and, and, you know, think about this. What people say and what people do are completely different. I care about what people do because that's the honest side of them, right? People will say, oh, uh, you know, I, I like this, I like that. But really what they do is their actions, right, more represent what who they are and how they make purchasing decisions. So we went to our partner, and they basically came back to us and said, all right, we'll figure out a low-cost level to do research so that smaller businesses can do this, but you're going to have to pay a massive sort of licensing fee to do that. So we did that. And that is around five grand to do that. But if you don't even have five grand, you can do a lot of different other things. Like you can run survey monkeys and you can, you know, go, I know, I know it sounds stupid, but I mean, you look at, let's say, uh, uh, what's that Marcus Lamona's show on CNBC, Profit, The Profit? I mean, they go out on the street and they take a clipboard and they spend a week asking questions of customers. My thing is to figure out, you got to find some kind of research, some kind of data. You know, you can do surveys, you can do man on the street things if you don't have any money or you're a startup without money, money, any money. You can Google it. You can try to figure this thing out. My point is, is that any business that doesn't have an incredible psychological profile of their customer base is throwing money away. And that's what we, you know, we have businesses, I swear to God, we have businesses that come to us and say, I don't want to do the research, just run these ads. And I go, there is no get rich quick pill. I'm not doing that. I'm plenty successful. I don't, in my business, my business has done great. So I don't have to bend to what they want. I want to make businesses successful and I want to do it the right way. And I want to have long-term growth for business. Here's the thing. I make money only when businesses grow. So I'm not going for the short-term play. And there are so many marketing agencies that go out there and they say, 
They load you up. You got to pay a lot of money up front. And then when they don't produce, they walk away making money and you don't. Right. And I reverse that model. I don't make money until the business makes money. And that's the model I have. And if people don't want that, if business owners don't want that, they're good. They go work. There are 99% of other company marketers will do it differently for you. But that's it. It all comes back to me into finding out what these customers or clients care about their service or product. Yeah. So, that's phenomenal because here's just a two-second background on me. I worked for Medicine Shop International, which was a cardinal health company, and I worked in the, a part of their franchise team. And one of the roles I had as a young guy was doing the data analytics for all the franchises. So my job was to literally go into 1,400 different franchises and determine who the customer was. Now, this company, before I got tasked with this role, had been around for 30 years. And for 30 years, their target demographic was seniors. And after we did the research, which was fun because I got to lead that mission, we found out that their target market was really moms with kids. They were serving inside the pharmacies, you know, more mothers with children than they were seniors. We changed the marketing and we changed the strategy and tactics to, you know, change all the posters and everything. This was old school back then, really before social media was a thing. You know, we changed all that to look more like the demographics that were coming in the store. And we grew that company $20 million in a year and a half. And my question back to you is what would have happened had they not done the research? You know, you I, know what I call that? It's the COI, the cost of inaction. So, oh, right, right. <laughs> not ROI, the COI. So The inaction of not doing the research. I love it. I love it. So as a small business myself now – you know, you talked about doing Survey Monkey. You talked about doing, you know, you know, on the street polls. What questions are you asking? I mean, you know, what what are you trying to learn from these people that you can apply to your business? Yeah, I think it is trying to understand and, and try, look. Every business is different. Like there, every you probably had thousands of people who are in different industries. So they have to go deep down and say, what do you want? What do you care about? What are you buying? Those kinds of things. I'll give you an example of this research we've done for a couple of recent clients. So we call these things the audience insights report. But basically we had one that came in. They built in their company into a $20 million company. They took it over from their father in 2008. And I love this. These companies, you probably know these, they guess a marketing tactic and they get it right for a while right. and they grew their business from basically I think like 5 million to 20 million on a marketing tactic of discounts mm. now and in the last three years they've spent 1.6 million dollars on their marketing and they've lost share the market share they've lost this they, they were a 20 million dollar business now they're not they, they came to us and they're like well, we don't know what happened this is you know, discounts they always work discounts like they just so hung up on discounts because it worked and so we went in and did this research report and what we found was as the economy changed people saw discounts as cheap that they didn't want to see the word discount but what we found was that their customer base which was typically older people making more than $50,000 a year, they bundled services, cable services, internet services. So that's how they looked at discounts. That's smart. The product that these people were selling had a green component to it, like a, an environmentally safe component. They had never marketed to that. 
people we found in this research report wanted higher they were willing to pay higher prices for a higher standard because the economy's good discounts means cheap and unsafe right and so we went and then we found out that their customer base that we profiled is very involved in their community and the charity work and the things like that well this was a family owned business they never told anybody they're a family owned business so now we understand the marketing strategy is it's about the product they're, they're, they've got. People are going to find the product, not anything else, right? But when they come, when they Google their specific need, they're going to see a menu of companies. Well, what makes you different? Well, this company now has a, you know, they, they tout their green products. They tell their family story in a pat, in a very emotional way that says, we took this over from my, we love our father. He did this company over for him. Boom, boom, boom. Right. And we started bundling services for them because again, the customer wants that. That's right. what they want. And we helped grow that company by $2 million in the last six months from losing business because now they have a strategy. So what's the COI on that? What's the cost of inaction of running on discounts and continuing to do it because they guessed and got it right the first time? Mm. That's brilliant because, man, in times past in my career, I've found myself working with all types of CEOs and companies. And in my last organization where I was an actual partner in the company, the, the CEO, the managing partner, if you will, you know, he despised marketing. You know, it just didn't work. And no matter how much we as a team, you know, tried to shift him otherwise, we kept attempting to engage in, you know, marketing companies, advertising firms. We got some nice letterhead out of it because that's what we kept finding is they wanted to come in and do this brand audit. And we already had a brand, you know, so it's interesting that not a lot of companies are spending time because it's time, right? That's what you have to trade. It's, it's a financial commitment, but it's also time to be able to do research or even outsource research because I can't imagine you're walking into a company and in within a, a week you're coming back with this huge, you know, customer audit and blueprint of, you know, your customer's name is Bob. He likes this and he likes this and you should say this. It's got to be a process, right? It is a long process, but here's why I like it, because it builds trust. Mm. Because every step of the way, the business owner goes, oh, I see that now. That makes sense. Oh, I get it. Oh, right. we're, we're eliminating more risk away from me in order to grow the company. And in here, here's where I struggle the most in this transition, though. In politics, because we have election day, Donnie, the, we get hired by a politician – on day one, they go, we trust you, go run it. We're good. You know, don't worry about right. it. We, you know, we got election day. We don't have time to sit here and say, hey, can you do this? Can you do Like, no, let's go. We move so fast on election, you know, because of election day. Like, everything's about the deadline. And then with businesses, I just thought you could run, you know, like, <laughs> hired. They just trust you. And I realized they didn't. And I struggled the first couple of years that we were doing business marketing, not because my process was wrong, but because I didn't understand that my customer, my customer, the client, right, needs to build trust with me because they are just meeting and working me, with me for the first time. It's not like politics in that regard. And so I just said, all right, well, here's the model. One, I'm going to 
build trust. Two, I'm going to eliminate risk, and I'll only grow if they grow. And it, the businesses that are in on that and for that, we're going to work with, and the businesses that – and trust me on this. I am not kidding. For every 50 leads I get, four of them want to do it the right way. Four. <laughs> 46 of them say – no, 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 no. Just we need to we we need to run the Facebook ads. Like yep. we've always done it this way, and and I and I go, but you're here for a re- you came to me for a reason. They go, no, 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 no. But where's my get rich quick pill? And I don't have it. I have I have I know how to build it the right way, long term success that will double, triple their business over years. You know, sometimes we have much more success than that. But I, my thing is to eliminate risk for these business owners in their marketing. And that's, that's sort of my mission. No, and I love it. And, you know, the, the cool thing is, is two sides of that is, you know, I'm sales is my background and I believe sales is nothing more than establishing trust with the person you're sitting across from. And, you know, I love the fact that you kind of had to go through it to discover that these businesses will oftentimes, especially that are in a, in a super growth mode. I mean, that's the baby of the owner. You know, this is this is their baby, and they're gonna have to trust you a lot to be able to pull off what whatever you say you're gonna do. So they always look at you skeptically until you start proving what what can be done. And that goes as you know, like I said, just as well for sales as it does for marketing. That's awesome. So let me. Can I give you one quick example of that? Please, please. So if you work with a marketing agency right now. Let me ask you this. Are you locked into a guaranteed long-term contract? In politics, in over 20 years, in, over, in working on over in thousands and thousands of campaigns, every contract I've ever signed in my entire life has been month to month, every single one. So I started when I started delving into the business side of marketing, I went in and every company I talked to said, oh, we'd love to hire you, but we're locked into this six-month, 12-month, 18-month contract with this firm that's really screwing us, and we're paying them every month. And I go, long-term contract? What are you talking about? And they said, <laughs> and so I was like, no, 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 no. My model is no long-term contracts. Every I have a month-to-month contract with every single client that works with us because either I prove it and innovate constantly or they can get rid of me. You know what I love about, and then here's seriously what I love about that. When I launched my company in September of 2017, I immediately went out the gate with no contracts. And the reason I did that, and it sounds like you did it for the same reason, was I wanted to be able to be forced to have to show up every month. You know, I can't have asset when I coach, you know, somebody, you know, I have to bring it every time I sit across from somebody because if I don't, and if we don't get results from those sessions and the, in, you know, those calls, then why the hell are you going to sit down with me the next month? So I love that, dude. You don't find – actually, it's a first marketing firm I think I've ever talked to that doesn't come in and do a contract because they sell you on the idea of, well, look, man, you, it's going to take two years to pull this off, and you know we're going to have to do all this, and you know, you're liable to not see a return on your investment until after six months. You know, it's the same old story. And in one hand, you're bucking the system you know, with the trends for how, you know, business is always done. But the second thing is, you know, how often do you sit across from a company and they look at you like you got two heads because you're not doing a contract? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't give a damn (laughs) because here's the thing, like it's, I hate to say this. The first thing is it's probably, I did this probably because of 
to, to it forces me, it forces everybody that works for me to go, all right, we need to have a client call every single day or a client meeting every single day within our own company. Because if we're not thinking of them and, and innovating for them, we're going to get fired. I won't have a business. I mean, I, you ask why, how I built, you know, a 20 plus million dollar business in less than four years without debt. That's it. Mm. Cause I care about them more than anything else. Cause if they succeed, I succeed. Yeah. I love that. I love it. And hey. why do people get this? They go for the short term money and they get caught in their own story and trust me on this about 10 years ago, I was that exact person. Right. And so I had the deep down, I probably, yeah, I absolutely was. I, I was you know, one man company, one man consultant. And I was trying to juggle five or six clients. And all I really cared about was, that they would, you know, renew my contract or that I could sell them a big product or service or something like that. And then I went through an epiphany and the epiphany is, this is a strange correlation, but I have an incurable disease. I was going to get there. Good luck. Let's yeah. Go. Yep. I have a, I have an incurable esophageal disease. Hey guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. called achalasia. My esophagus doesn't work. It's dead. It'll never work. I'm on a pathway where in about five to 10 years without a cure, and it's a rare disease, so there's no research behind it, but I'm going to have my esophagus removed. I'll be in a feeding tube the rest of my life. I'm very susceptible to esophageal cancer. I mean, there's all these you know, things. And for years, I was being treated at the Mayo Clinic, and I had I stuck my head in the sand, and I didn't want to deal with it. And I blamed everybody, and I was a mess. And it it literally dripped into my every part of my life, and I became probably more narcissistic than anything. Everything was based on my needs, and I felt pity. And think about being married to that. Think about being a father or a, a daughter, which I have to that. It was awful. And I was able about four or five years ago, you know, I was sitting in the Mayo Clinic offices, and they basically laid out that after five years, I'd never Googled the disease. I just pitied myself. And at the five-year mark, I'm in Mayo Clinic offices, and they, you know, they told me about this feeding tube that was sort of coming down the pike. And that was like the biggest wake-up call in my life. And I just vowed I had to change everything. And, you know, most people don't make change until the pain is too big. 
and I fall squarely into that category. The pain was so big that I said I had to change. Well, I didn't realize that it was going to change my mental state, <laughs> not just my physical state. And so in that office, in that doctor's office, and, you know, this was a couple of years ago, I just said, well, I don't accept that there's no cure to this disease. And, I, and the doctor at the Mayo Clinic literally patted me on the on the back and said, well, your disease is what it is. Take your medications. By the way, the medications have long-term dementia effects, but they work in the short run. He said, take your medications and we'll see you in six months. And I just said, there's got to be a different way. And that different way sort of, you know, sort of drove everything. It changed my mentality on everything. I I didn't want to live my life that way anymore. I didn't want to live my life having self-pity, blaming others, doing all those things. And I really, I've structured a company (laughs) to make sure that I always put other people first. I've done a ton of work with therapists and a bunch of other things on uh, with my family. <laughs> Nothing's ever perfect, Donnie. I'm a mess. I always make mistakes, but I am always trying to get better, and I'm looking at that from a growth standpoint. Like, how can I grow and get better today, really? Yeah. That's, he, that's he, sort of where it comes from. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, two, one, here's what drives me nuts about life in general is – I have this theory is 99% of the population has to get stacked up against it, be right on the cusp of losing it all before they can make a shift. And I do have a personal mission to help people to get there without having to go to the bottom. You know? That's why I'm honored to be here because I yeah. <laughs> so appreciate that because I dare don't like the lesson is don't. Have it come to this, where you're on the cusp of divorce, a broken family, uh, a broken business, losing and, your house, losing and, your, and your health. Yep. I didn't even put my health first. Like it's crazy. So I get it, man, and 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 it sucks. It sucked then. I'm grateful for it. The the truth of the matter is, the disease is the best thing that ever happened to me. And if I lose, you know, have it. Be, if I get a feeding tube, whatever, good. So be it. I have a family. I have the love of my family. I'm happy, and I will continue to try to be purpose-driven the rest of my life. The the weird sort of bookend of that story is that in that office that day at the Mayo Clinic, I basically said, I don't accept this. And, you know, the doctor, you know, basically patted me on the back and told me to get out of there. And I just drove home and was like, i got to figure this thing out. And a couple months later, I went to the Abundance 360 conference by Peter Diamandis out in L.A., and he gets on stage and he says, I want everybody to take out their notebook as a business conference and write down your moonshot in life, something people say is impossible and that you're going to make possible. Well, it was like the universe just timed everything <laughs> perfect, right? Yep, yep. And I said, I wrote in that notebook, I'm, I'll find a cure to my disease in five years. That was uh, two years ago. And and so I'm, you know, he says, take three, you know, write down three actions you'll take the second you walk out of this conference so you can get some momentum. So one of them, I wrote an article for Inc. Magazine about how I was going to find a cure to this disease <laughs> that had no cure, and it's rare. It's like one out of 100,000. Most of the people that get it are old. I was in my 30s when I was diagnosed. And it's, it's, so there's no research behind it. And I, you know, of course, this is why we're, we're entrepreneurs, because we're ignorant as hell. Right. And we just decided to go for it. Over the last two years – that article led me down this crazy path that I got introduced to a bunch of doctors. Diamandis has helped me and introduced me to doctors. I found the Johns Hopkins 
they were sort of intrigued by what I was doing. I found a specialist that had worked on this disease. He's like the biggest specialist on this disease in the country. He decided to submit to the FDA a clinical trial for me. It got accepted two months ago. And we, in January, we will start a one-man first-ever clinical trial that will extract stem cells out of my calf muscle. They'll spend four or five months growing those stem cells. Then they will insert them into my esophagus to try to regenerate the muscles and the nerves. It's never been done, not even on animals. I have no idea if it'll work. And <laughs> if it doesn't, I'll go to plan B. But right now, that's sort of the track we're on. And it all started when I got my head out of my ass and said, I need a different path and I need to live a more purpose driven path. And Dude. really, sorry, I'm rambling, but no, I want, you're good. You're good. I, I, I want to, I want to, this goes back to the business owner. And honestly, the reason I wrote the book was because I kept seeing business owners that said they were stuck, that, that dis, all this disruptive economy was happening. And I saw this in politics. Look, don't, I don't care what you think of Trump. That is a massive disruption. And I saw this, you know, from a metaphorical standpoint, and I went, oh, this is happening everywhere. The economy is being disrupted. The people that are running the same marketing campaigns are running their businesses the same way they've always run, or had their head in the sand like I did for years. And they're not adapting. They're not adjusting. They're not becoming the disruptor. They're being disrupted. And I was in that as well in a very different place. And I, that's my purpose is to try to help these people out. Guys, one of the reasons, you know, entrepreneurs find success is because they're batshit crazy and they're willing to, you know, take on the impossible task and ask one of my favorite questions, which is, you know, why do we have to do it that way? Just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean you need to keep doing it that way. So freaking good on you, brother. Think about this, the Mayo Clinic. Who doesn't have the highest regard for the Mayo Clinic? Um, all your healers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and they told me that your disease is what it is. See in six months. I mean, I don't want to get into some medicine, but doesn't it suck that that's the mindset of just because this is all the further we've studied it, that's your answer? You're screwed. It, it goes back to liability. Yeah. They don't want to take any chances because they are going to get sued. Right. And, and if you understand, think about this. What I realized that when I was making, they're doing the best they can. I have no criticism of them, really. I really don't have a criticism of them. But that particular doctor is seeing 100 patients a day. Does he really think and care and, and want to know what I'm doing and how I'm moving along and how he can help me? No, he's got 99 other people. He's got to get in and out in five minutes. Right. Like there's no time. And if you understand that that's how the healthcare industry is built, then you have to take things in your own hands. It doesn't mean you don't listen to doctors. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that, look, the, the government tells you to eat certain foods you shouldn't probably eat. You're probably exercising or not exercising or doing whatever. Like you have, like I have a functional doctor. I have to pay out of pocket. He's a proactive doctor, not a reactive doctor. If you think about it. Right. And I just had to take control. I do blood tests every six months to figure out where I am on certain things. I'm doing everything I can to make sure I stay healthy so I can keep my esophagus and it doesn't get removed. That's one part of it. And the other part is, can I get it to work again? So I got to take things and I got to take action in my own hands. By the way, that's what we do as business owners, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the the other thing I hope everybody understood is the second thing that I think that makes entrepreneurs successful is flipping gratitude. 
you literally said, I am grateful. The best thing ever happened to me was getting this disease. Most people, when they get that diagnosis, they get something like that because they're trapped in this okayness mindset. Life is over. They throw in the towel. It's done. You flipped a switch and said, hold my beer and watch this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you know what, Donnie? I understand how it feels. Right. With these people, with people that are struggling and trying to figure it out and caught up in their own story, have their head in the sand, whatever it is. I've been there and nobody should have to experience that. Right. That's what we're trying to stop. And. You know, like that's the bottom line. Yeah, I I do have just this is a very selfish question on my part. I know you were on Gary V's podcast. What was it like sitting across from him? Well, you can probably tell I talk really fast. And and so the two of us going at each other and and I'm a marketer. So it's like, you know, he doesn't. I don't think he realized I did business marketing. He probably, probably wouldn't have had me on. You know, I think right, he was right. about the political aspect. But we went back and forth. But there's so many synergies because he does want to build authentic relationships. Just like I want to, you know, we do it in politics with voters. We do it with customers. And we were trading those kind of stories. And, I'll, you know, one of them, I, I told a story. There was a clothing designer called Billy Reed out of New York. And Billy Reed, my wife bought a ton of clothing from him and she loves his clothing and they sent a box you know with all the clothing and they wrote the manager of the store wrote a handwritten note and said if you ever have any issues or anything call me here's my cell phone or whatever right and my wife was like this is like a one, one of the biggest designers in the world and the manager of the store is giving me her cell phone i'll be a customer for life for them <laughs> right. and so gary and i talked about that story and you know he wrote a book i think called the thank you economy mm-hmm. and here's the thing from a marketer's perspective, a thank you note didn't cost a dollar. They didn't have to hire a marketing agency to run hundreds of thousands of dollars of ads to get customers in the door. My wife, first of all, they had an authentic, great product. Second, she is a, they don't have to market to her anymore because they wrote a handwritten note because it's an outlier tactic that no one's doing right now. Right. Now is tell people you've got to do that, right? Write handwritten notes to everybody, not because it's transactional, because it's a good way to go through life and no one's doing it. <laughs> and my whole philosophy, everything I'm trying to do is like go to where they aren't. Right. Every marketer right now is running tactics. I'm going to go strategy, right? Because it's the right way to do it. And I'm not going to have to compete with all the people running and uh, selling the same things. I'm going to do it a different way. Slow growth, do it the right way, eliminate risk, build trust. There's not a lot of marketers doing that right now. So I'm just always trying to go in into the outlier area that no one else is going in. And, you know, I think that that's the synergy that Gary and I had. And we, you know, we talked a lot about it and we had a lot of, it was an, it was an interesting, uh, I'm going to have, I mean, I haven't heard the episode, but I think I'm going to really go back at it because you guys both do have a lot of the similar philosophies. I haven't listened to a whole lot of Gary stuff, but who cussed more? No, that's all right. You already know the answer to that. (laughs) Well, you know, we talked for like 30 minutes. I think it showed up on the daily V and it was about two minutes long, right? Right, Because it's only about, he he did, he mashed up about 10 minutes of content a day. But the 30 minutes was really fascinating. And we got, it got emotional too, because we were talking about people we care. We have a, some friends in common and we were, got emotional talking about how much that we care about those people. And it was good. Yeah. Right. So 
We've covered a ton of stuff in here today, dude, and I really, really appreciate it. Help me give a little, a couple of tactics for, for my business owners out there. You know, what are just a couple of strategies they can employ right now yeah. to start down the path of doing research to be able to form a, you know, marketing strategy? Well, I mean, the first thing is you just say, look, we're going to, First of all, win the game of marketing. The business owners have to win, have to decide they want to win the game of marketing, right? Not the marketing agency, the business. That's the whole point of marketing is for the business to win, not the marketing agency. So take control of your business and demand of your marketing firm that they meet your needs and they win only when the business wins. You'll be, you'll be surprised by how many marketers drop off the radar. That's a good thing, right? So the first point is to put yourself in position to win. The second is, yeah, you need to go take care and understand. People say, oh, I know my market. No, 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 you don't. You need to go in and understand the psychological factors that drive and motivate people. And you need to know the platforms they're on. We work with an influencer, an Instagram influencer, and she built her entire network on Instagram, hundreds of thousands of followers. Well, she was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go expand my platform and I'm, I'm going to go to Facebook. And we said, okay, well, is that where your followers are? She goes, oh, I assume. Well, we did the research. What we found was more than Instagram was Pinterest, that her followers were over-indexing on Pinterest more than they were on Instagram. And she had never built a platform on Pinterest. And that Facebook was fourth on the list. Third was Snap. And so she went, oh, my God, I almost invested all this money into a platform that wasn't the best, that didn't give me the most chance to succeed, didn't eliminate the most risk. So you've got to go in and try to figure all that out. Now, again, there are low-cost ways you can do that, like we talked about. You can go do surveys on the street. You can do survey monkeys. You can go to your customers and ask them you know, and put put a one or two question survey in and try to aggregate that data. It's not that hard, right? I mean, it, it's tedious, but you could figure that out. Or you can hire plenty of firms out there that will go do the research and come back to you. Or, or the report we do is like 45, 60 pages of data. It's crazy. That's awesome. I'm going to throw you a softball. You ready? Sure. What if a company wanted to do a marketing audit? Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so this is part of my mission, which is, We've always said this. I'll give, well, let me, let me back it up. I'll give you a quick tactic real quick. The New York Yankees, right? Fallon decided a couple years ago that they would send, quietly send flowers to the families of police departments or families of slain law enforcement officers around the country. And they started doing this a few years ago. And so any officer that is killed in the line of duty, they send flowers to from the New York Yankee organization. This became a story because they sent them to officers that had died in Boston, right? Mm -hmm. And this became a huge story, and it became massive publicity, and it endeared their brand to people, even Red Sox fans, because they thought and cared about other people before they did anything else, right? And so my point is think of things that you can do for your customers or your clients that make them feel special. Do you know their children's names? Do you know your customers' anniversary dates? Do you know these things? Find them out and 
and send things randomly to people and make them feel like a million dollars. It's just a great way to be. And so what we ended up doing was how could we do that to people that weren't even clients of ours in our marketing company? We set up, it's like a, a free five-minute marketing audit. If you're confused about your marketing, you think you could do better, or you want to know what you're doing really well or what you're doing poorly, or you think a marketing agency is taking advantage of you, you go to Philip Stutz, that's my name, philipstutz.com backslash audit. And it takes five minutes. My team, you, you know, fill this out. We'll look over your publicly available digital marketing footprint. And we'll look at your email campaigns, your website, your marketing efforts, your retargeting, your, you know, everything. We'll look at everything. And then we'll produce a report for you. And then we will do a 30-minute consultation to go over the report to tell you what you need. And after that, if you feel like I've earned your trust, we can talk about working together. If you say, I'm good to go, then you're good to go. And I served you, and I'm good with that. Guys, you're crazy if you don't take him up on that. You know, Philip and I talked a little bit before this interview. I'm like, okay, I'm in January. His company is going to do this whole audit on my company. You know, even if you're not looking to change marketing companies, why wouldn't you take, you know, just two seconds and get audit done on your business just to get a better understanding of everything? So my two cents, take it or leave it. Philip, this has been a blast, brother. I love your insight. I love your passion. And by God, I love your grit. You know, here's how I like to wrap up every yeah. show that I bring guests on is, you know, and I do stump some people, so so stand by on this. If you were to leave my audience with a quote, a statement, a phrase, you know, maybe a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're going through their dark times or stacked up against it like you were when you were first, you know, head in the sand when you got your diagnosed with your, your disease, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. So can I do two? Yeah. Yeah. There's one that, that I'm reminded of by Keith Cunningham. Another, he's a great Texan uber successful businessman teaches at Tony Robbins business mastery events. He's been a mentor to me, and he has this quote that I think is probably my, the most powerful quote that I've ever heard. And he says, and sorry, this is going to be politically correct, so I'm not going to use both pronouns here. Hell on earth is meeting the man you could have been. Love it. That is a powerful quote. And then I think for my own sake, I mean, look, think about this. Your brain is built for survival. It's not built for happiness. It's not built for innovation. And it's not built for succeeding. You have to work at those things constantly. You have to be proactive. And when you do these things consistently, you find purpose and meaning. And so I just take the question back to ask your audience, what will the rest of your life look like if you don't change? Mm. I love it, man. I love it. Philip, any last words or any other thoughts you want to leave my audience with? No, I, I'm really honored to be here. I'm humbled because I've been through some dark times in my life, and that's what got me out of it was those exact dark times, and I'm grateful for everything that's happened. And I love that you are helping that kind of audience, and I love your purpose and mission, and it's just been a real honor to be a part of this today. So thank you, Donnie, honestly. Thank you. Thanks 
for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.